back at the fighter weapon school which is top gun school yeah i've been chosen for that uh, i was a, a, an instructor at the top gun school uh, in mountain home idaho yeah uh we had everything uh, a, a young married couple could want plenty of money and, and uh, just an exciting lifestyle we we're traveling everywhere of course yeah. i had the greatest job in the world yeah you're an adrenaline junkie and there was something yeah. missing yeah. you know there was something missing Hello, and welcome back to our second episode of Meet the Ministers. I am Kevin MacDonald, joined always by my co-host, Alec Robinson. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing well. Another beautiful morning. Yeah, another <laughs> beautiful morning. He's got a little more coffee in him this time, so he is ready to go. We are so happy and so blessed to be here at the Pikes Peak Congregation uh, talking to Grady last episode, and then this episode we get to talk to Mr. John Erickson. He was baptized in July of 1985 in Mountain Home, Idaho. Traveled to several congregations before uh, reaching Pikes Peak. He joined Pikes Peak in 1998 and was appointed an elder in 2007. And so you have been an elder for 14 years now. That's right, yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today, John. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Kevin and Alec. Appreciate uh, you... Uh choosing me as your first elder to uh, interview, but I hope you'll interview many others because you'll hear different perspectives. Of course, yeah, that's our plan. That yeah. you interview. Awesome. So tell us about your upbringing. Well, I'm 70 years old. I uh, just had my 70th birthday. So I was born in 1951, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, my dad worked for General Electric. We moved quite a bit. And so maybe that got me ready for military life because yeah. I would later spend 23 years in the military. Uh, Massachusetts was much of my upbringing, okay. which uh, is uh, 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 brought up on, in a Lutheran home. My father was uh, Norwegian, and, and all Norwegians are Lutheran. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, he was a, a devout Christian in the sense that he uh, loved going to church. Mm-hmm. He loved working in the church, uh, teaching youth and so on, uh, even though he was a, uh, a businessman for General Electric Company. So I grew up in a church in a, in a, in a godly family. Family, if you will. He mm-hmm. loved Jesus Christ. And I still remember walking into mom and dad's bedroom when they would be going to bed and he would be laying in bed reading the Bible. So mm-hmm. uh, I know that one of your interests in this podcast is how people became the Christians they are today, how mm-hmm. they joined yeah. the Lord's church. And, and, and those small memories, those visuals of my youth are some of the visuals that that may perhaps led me to to seek the truth yeah. that we find in the Lord's Church later. And so your dad was very influential for you. He was, yeah. yeah. Moved to North Carolina in the middle of high school, which was, you know, kind of upsetting to me. Ended up at the University of North Carolina, mm-hmm. Chapel Hill. Uh, graduated from there, but would I you, never... What did you graduate with, just out of curiosity? A business degree. Business degree. A business okay. degree. Never really attached to North Carolina. Massachusetts was still felt like home. Mm-hmm. And I got happy feet, wandering feet. Uh, worked as a carpenter, tow truck driver, uh, dishwasher several times. Traveled okay. around the United States. And uh, when I got home from one of my soirees around the country (laughs) my dad said it's time for you to grow up (laughs) why don't you join the military and I had never thought about that before but I had a boss uh, that where I worked at a gas station all through my high school years he was an Air Force reservist I went to speak with him Mm -hmm. and he promoted the Air Force and I ended up uh, long story short uh, in the Air Force and in a flight training program eventually I thought you said you're joining the military Uh, yes (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as you're going to go that direction. All right, let's fire back. uh, Let me tell you what uh, my old boss, the uh, Air Force Reservist, really said. And that was, I had almost joined the Navy. Uh Uh, They were going to send me to Pensacola through a flight program down there. And he said, John, you don't want to do that. uh, (laughs) He gave me some reasons why I should join the Air Force. I went to the Air Force, and and I'm glad of the decision. I I know you have a Navy background. Yeah, no one ever told me that, hence the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
Well, um, it, it ended up me joining the Air Force, uh, numerous assignments all over the world. And I met my wife on the first assignment to well, Korea. What was your job? Uh, well, I was a, a, a fighter pilot, uh, basically. I okay. uh, was uh, in F-4s for several years. That's what the uh, job in Korea was. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't hardly got to Korea before they said we desperately need people in another kind of airplane, the F-111, which is a big swing wing fighter slash small bomber yeah and so that meant uh going straight from korea through the united states and on to the uk yeah to, to england so uh Chuni and i were married in the united states uh for that short time we were there and it was how did you how did you meet england. her uh we met it, it's kind of ironic because we always talk about this but uh all of us on the base at Kunsan, which was a remote base, there was no one there. It's on a peninsula that sticks out into the China Sea. Uh, their fighters were out there. There were some uh, rock R Republic of Korea presence out there. But it was uh, two squadrons of fighters at Kunsan, uh, a very remote assignment, most remote of all assignments back in the 19, okay. late 1970s. But we had motorcycles, and on weekends we'd take our motorcycles, dirt bikes, yeah, yeah. out on the roads, and we'd go all over Korea. It was actually a great place to ride a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. First of all, they watch out for motorcycles there, unlike yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and there's many, many motorcycles on the road. And secondly, there are trails everywhere between rice paddies up into hills. That and sounds that like fun. Yeah. But I fell off my motorcycle on, on one turn that I took, messed up my leg. And we were in a town that happened to be run by a, a group of Americans. It was in a, a Korean hospital, but it was a teaching hospital. And it was run by an American university, uh, meaning that top 50 or 100 staff were Americans, and, and then they were training the Koreans on, on more advanced medical procedures, that kind of thing. So I went down to that hospital, and Chuni was a nursing student. Wow. And uh, she walked in in that, uh, that white uh, nursing outfit, and uh, I tease her. I say it was love at first sight. Yeah. <laughs> and then in a few weeks, I fell in love. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, there, was just, there was just something there yeah. right away. And, um, and not to get too personal, but I can tell you, and this might help your folks that are considering marriage or married, but to marry a Korean lady uh, was going to present us probably a multiracial marriage. And it yeah. was going to present certain issues, I knew, especially in the Air Force, which yeah. was the old Air Force then. And it was a more closed-minded Air Force mm -hmm. then. But I knew that it wasn't that I wanted to marry her and live with her the rest of my life. It was that if I didn't marry her, I would wonder for the rest of my life yeah, yep. what happened to her yeah. and why didn't I marry her. You know, it was not that I could live with her. It's that I couldn't live without wow. her. Yeah. You get the double negative there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were married, and uh, we have now been married 44 years and have three children. Yeah. Very happy. Awesome. Cool. Uh, That's great. Yeah. Traveled around. We did not yet have children, and... Neither one of us were religious people in the sense that we weren't churchgoers. Yeah, that's my next question. Like, yeah. were you were you going uh, to church at all? Like many youth, eighteen years and on, yeah, never never went inside of a church building during okay. my college years or early Air Force years. But Chuni and I kind of had everything. We had everything. We, uh, you know, I was back at the fighter weapons school, which is top gun school. Yeah. I've been chosen for that. Um, I was a, a, an instructor at the top gun school uh, in Mountain Home, Idaho. Yeah. Uh, we had everything. Uh, a, a young married couple could want plenty of money and, and uh, just an exciting lifestyle. We we're traveling everywhere. Of course, yeah. I had the greatest job in the world. Yeah, you're an adrenaline junkie. And there was something yeah. missing. Yeah. You know, there was something missing. And I said to her one day, this is kind of going to be a, a peculiar question, but here it comes. Would you like to go to church? And she said, oh, I'd so much like to go to church. Wow. wow. So we started going to the base chapel. There was a chapel on, on most bases, uh, mm -hmm. Army, Air Force, Marine, so on. And uh, there were three preachers, uh, ministers at that church. There was a Catholic uh, priest. There was a preacher who was associated with a car, uh, denomination called Grace Brethren, I think. There was a preacher, minister from the Christian church, and then a, another minister came from the Methodist church. And as we listened to each sermon each week, we found that there was disparities in what was being taught. 
And while we tried to boil it down to a common denominator, we all believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. there were, through the sermons and also Bible studies that we were participating in, there were just different thoughts being taught, yeah. you know, d- different ideas about the Bible. And some didn't really jive with the Bible. I remember one of those ministers in a home Bible study on the base telling us how baptism was not important, how mm-hmm. it was irrelevant to salvation. I wrote it in my notes, as a matter of fact, and I ran across those notes about five years ago. I was yeah. going through some notes, and I thought, baptism, not important. Wow. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. But then, I mean, obviously you read the Scripture, and you're like, huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, that doesn't, doesn't seem jive. As yeah. little yeah. Scripture as we knew, we yeah. knew that something didn't quite feel right about yeah. some of the teaching we were receiving. Well, you were seeking the truth. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and Chuni had a friend, a Korean lady, who was married to an American man, kind of like our marriage. Mm-hmm. And she said they belong to a church where they do the Lord's Supper every Sunday. And you know what I said? I said, that's not in the Bible anywhere. <laughs> and then she said, they belong to a church where there are people that kind of run the church called elders. And I said, that's not in the Bible anywhere, wow. which tells you how much I knew yeah. about the yeah. Bible. <laughs> but they asked us one time, the Korean lady who was friends with my wife said, would you like to Bible study sometime? We said, sure. And they sent over their evangelist, if you will, is Harry Brodus. I've not been able to find him. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. He was uh, an enlisted man, uh, African-American man. Uh, and uh, was uh, on fire. Yeah. And boy, did he know his Bible. And what what were you as far as rank at that time? I was a captain, I think. Okay. Yeah, probably a captain. Yeah. Living the life, you yeah. know. So, I mean, he wasn't afraid to talk to you. No. As an enlisted man talking to well, a captain. And that's, uh, thanks yeah. for capturing that point because there is a division between the enlisted and the officer yeah. ranks, and it's not, we play on softball teams together, our kids participate in events together, but the military wants you to have a certain level of separation between the officer and enlisted yeah, Boss ranks. and buddy. He yeah. is a one-striper, an E1. He is the lowest-ranking individual on that base. Uh-huh. Now, I'll get to my story in a second, but I'll tell you that he was only there a year, and in that year, he baptized 15 people wow. in one That's year. Incredible. That's the crazy. attendance at the Mountain Home Church of Christ went from 15 to 60 mm-hmm. while he was there. And I don't know still to this day his secret yeah. other than he was on fire for the Lord. He was a, an approachable, likable individual, and he knew his Bible. Yeah, how do you how do you capture that and put it in a bottle? Because we need to sell it. Need it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I witnessed it firsthand, yeah. and I haven't been able to, uh, yeah. to replicate that to, mm-hmm. to the to the extent that he did. Yeah, but a pivotal, pivotal moment in your life. I mean, that was a big, big deal. He came by on a Friday evening. By this time now, we had two little girls, uh, Gemma and Christine. Johnny would come later. But Gemma and Christine were uh, little, little, little toddlers at this time. He came by at 7 o'clock in the evening. On a Friday evening, we were baptized at midnight. Wow. Wow. How about that for a study? A, yeah. And uh, I can remember him taking us through... Naaman being uh, uh, and and cleansed uh, as a leper and Old Testament stories through the New. Uh, we pushed back quite often because of my father mainly. Yeah. That you were saying that my father, who was a, a devout Lutheran his entire life, is not saved. But you know, we didn't let that interfere with our decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our decision was we're going to go get baptized. Yeah. And I have been a Christian longer than my wife. Because I went first. So I've been a Christian five minutes longer than she has. <laughs> and I remind her of that sometimes. And I think I was 1159, and I think she was 1204, yeah. which means she was actually baptized the next day. Full yeah. day later. And this yeah. was July of uh, 1985. Yeah. That's a we've crazy story. We've been members of the con- uh, church ever since then. We've seen splits. We've seen uh, various problems. But uh, we would obviously never seek out any any congregation other than one that that honestly had the sign Church of Christ on the front yeah. of that. And uh, we're blessed that our children are Christians, and uh, they did much of their growing up in this church, but they've also uh, been associated with other congregations. Yeah, so you were in Idaho at that time. Yeah, in yeah. Idaho, uh, yeah. Hampton Church of Christ, Hampton, Virginia. Met okay. some great Christians there. Yeah. Um, you know, the Lord puts you in just the right place at the right time. Yeah. I'm a a Dave in Christ, and I yeah. met some elders and deacons that were— I still hold them in the highest regard. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, that even though we were all there in Hampton, Virginia together, and we represented Army and Air Force there, um, 
they all ended up in Colorado Springs. The yeah. three elders did. And, yeah. and do you think that since you had the military background, that structure of military and the mentorship programs in the military, that you sought mentorship in the church? Do you oh, think that had a, a I, th- I think so, and yeah. I, I could see when military people even teach a biblical class, sometimes they'll have desired learning objectives yeah. and, and, <laughs> and, and three main points and yeah. then a review of the yeah. three main points. You'll be able to answer these questions at the end of the yeah, story. Exactly. Yeah, you do see some of that, but oh. I also just met great men of God right from the beginning. Uh, again, I think uh, you know a little of my bio, but we uh, from... Uh, uh, Hampton, Virginia. In 1990, we ended up in Korea. We were in a congregation that met at the base chapel. We met after the uh, uh, Protestant and Catholic uh, uh, churches met there in Yongsan, Korea, which is an army base in downtown Seoul. Okay. Uh, we would meet after they, they had adjourned. Uh, we would meet in the base chapel, which was a beautiful building. About 25 at services, and it was absolutely the best thing that could have happened to me and to my wife as as Christians. Uh, There were three men capable of preaching. I was one of them, so every three weeks I was preaching. We uh, uh, had baptisms. We uh, interfaced with the Korean community quite a bit with missionaries, Church of Christ missionaries there in in, uh, Korea, and it was uh, uh, the, the most perhaps the greatest growth experience I've had in the 35 uh, years I've been a Christian. Yeah, you went from writing down baptisms unessential to to baptizing. To baptizing and and preaching sermons on on the essentiality of uh, of baptism. Uh, Back to the United States, came here for a time. Uh, We had some health issues in our family. Uh, The Air Force said, you really need to be at Walter Reed. Washington, D.C., which meant a Pentagon tour for me. Yeah, That took us to the Dale City Church of Christ, which is out in the suburbs of Washington. Again, a terrific, wonderful experience. And then uh, then from there back here to... Yeah. Uh, to uh, uh, Pikes Peak. You're still growing in your in your spiritual life, right? You're oh, still abs- learning. Yeah. Absolutely. And no, you ever hit any plateaus or any discouragements, or was it all you were just going, going, going? You know, I... I if I could pat myself on the back, and I don't really mean to do that. No, please I want, do. I want others listening to this podcast to consider this. We were Christians about a year and a half when we saw a major split in that, quote, first congregation. Although Mountain Home was our first congregation yeah. uh, in Idaho, we had really put roots down at the Hampton Church of Christ in Hampton, Virginia. And there was a major split there. And whether it was by wisdom or luck or whatever it may be, Chuni and I said, we're not leaving. We're staying here and we're going to do the right thing. We're not going to join either side in this split, although it's pretty apparent who was at fault. Yeah. And we stayed with the congregation. Um, and we were better for it because many people scattered. Uh, uh, offerings went way down. The church yeah. struggled financially. Yeah. Uh, people headed for the exits when the split occurred. You can't do that. You have to stay where you are and make it better. Don't yeah. just be part of the problem. You focus on um, focus on the truth of of God and not putting your faith in people that will disappoint you. Right. Uh, and right. you just keep that focus on where it should be uh, yeah. and maintain. And you know, you, exactly. you've got that. Uh, basis you've learned that lesson and it, it's it's a great experience that you have where when you're in it <laughs> looking yeah. back at it you're like yeah. man I, I i can't believe any of this is you know right or wrong but all this kind of stuff and then you you look back on it and go and that was a great experience and i'm glad i grew from that experience oh i think so I, you know one way i i might put it is when you sit in that pew keep your eyes forward yeah you know concentrate why are we here we're here to we're here to worship God. We're here to listen to what the the preacher has to to, to teach us today. And if I'm asked to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's in a, it's an element of not taking sides or not getting uh, into the acrimony that's going on between these members. Well, yeah. It's 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 a matter of of focusing on what's important, as you just said, Al. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's family too. It's realizing that. No matter who's right, who's wrong, not drawing those lines, but just loving everyone and saying we need to get through this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? The church needs more than anything else. A congregation needs more than anything else during a division. Are people who just keep attending? Yeah. Um, it's the folks that scatter, and and uh, that that really harms the the situation. 
I'll say something else. We're not really on the topic of division or strife and that kind of thing, Alec, but, but something you said reminded me that in the two splits we've seen, the major splits in, in congregations, both sides believe they're right and will not come off their mm-hmm. position. But generally, only one side is right. Yeah. And, uh, and this is why it's easy to say don't take sides, but you can clearly see the fault and the error occurring. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, having experienced those, I think, prepared me to be an elder more so, too. Yeah. It, the, if we were to have that kind of strife in, in this congregation or another in the future, I think I'd be better prepared yeah. for what happened. I mean, we, we've talked about this in, you know, our testimonies that God had a purpose for every moment of our lives, right? right? And it's right. finally realizing that and then also realizing that we need to have self-perspective of ourselves to say, hey, am I really right or am I wrong? And being okay with yeah. the answer. Right. Right, yeah. And for your audience listening to this podcast, sometimes we'll a little bit overanalyze God moving in our lives. We'll say this or that, you know, God had me choose the left lane of traffic rather than the right <laughs> yeah, lane of traffic, yeah, exactly, and I avoided yeah. that accident. But, but more along the lines of God moves and pushes you or, or encourages you and to, to move in certain directions. Yeah. And, and I can look at each congregation and every individual we were involved with at all those congregations and say, I really grew from that or yeah. learned this from the, from that experience. Yeah, and that, that early in your, your basically your spiritual life too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you have, yeah. you have to decide, uh, uh, for, for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and you have to keep repeating that to yourself yeah. Uh, yeah. at times during your Christian walk. Yeah. Was there someone there that you found like an accountability with to like stay strong, just keep attending, to keep doing the right thing? You know, that's a good question. But um, I would say when I looked at the spiritual strength of the elders, mm-hmm. I, I w- really thought they have a gift that I don't have or they have a strength that I need to try to replicate in my own life. So, yeah, there were there were always those folks. But of course, they're in a quasi, if you will, official position. I'm doing air quotes right now for that, but they're in an official position. But yeah, I can think of many folks uh, that encouraged both my wife and I Mm -hmm. and our children. And maybe the common denominator for all of those folks were they were just good, faithful people. And that's infectious, right? Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So you're there. We're still not at Pike Speak, right? So from that moment, like what sort of moving you towards being back to Pike Speak? Uh, 1998, we would go no other place than, than Pikes Peak. We had some issues here in Pikes Peak at that mm-hmm. time. Four elders uh, who uh, had some, uh, um, well, there were some strains in the congregation okay. at that time. The eldership decided to step down, and this is when we had just returned from our, uh, our assignment in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, but uh, that was one of those times where I said, Shuni, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stay right there, and we're going to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I was in no position to be an elder myself at that time. I had mm-hmm. small children uh, and really uh, uh, really wanted to simply be in that pew every Sunday and every Wednesday and yeah. every opportunity we were going to be uh, supporting the congregation. Yeah, you learned from your previous experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the so, congregation uh, did choose elders. Uh, we had two uh, good elders. We got a new preacher, and then Grady came in in 2001, I think it is. I yeah. believe I'm correct on that date. And uh, Kevin came to us later in 2005, I believe. And, and uh, that's been pretty much our structure since then. Yeah. Of course, I was 2007 for an yeah. eldership, but we had a consistent eldership from about the year 2000 yeah. till the present day. And when you first got here, were you still in the Air Force? Yeah, uh, just retired. Just retired. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Our, our children were entering middle and high school, and we were in Washington, D.C. I got a job offer here. Yeah. We had a house here. We had the Pikes Peak congregation here. Yeah. I said, Shuni, if we're going to go, we got to go right now before the kids get into high school. And yeah. you know what that means. You don't want to move them in yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so we made the move back here in 1998. Yeah. Had a job offer here and, and a home that we were renting. So why wouldn't we come back? Yeah. What rank did you retire at? Lieutenant Colonel, 23 years. 23 years? Yeah. And yeah. I, just before we get too much further, I'm really curious about the Top Gun. Do you have a story from that for us? Um, of course, it's what a lot of folks strive for. Um, I was uh, at uh, Lake and Heath, which is in England. Uh, mm-hmm. I was selected for the school. I was the top graduate from the school as a student. And then a couple of years, we went back to England and uh, did what 
we do. And then they called me and said, would you like to come back as a as an instructor? And I love Mountain Home, Idaho. It's somewhat like Colorado Springs, if yeah. you will. Uh, it's the West. It was wonderful. I said, oh, absolutely, I'd come back. We spent four and a half years there in Mountain Home, Idaho. Had two of our three children in Mountain Home. And then from there went to uh, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, it's just fascinating, the fighter pilot yeah, we were associated with Nellis Air Force Base. Nellis Air Force Base is called the home of the fighter pilot. They have a big sign in the yeah. that says that. They have uh, the fighter weapons school is there. The uh, um, uh, Thunderbirds are there, the demonstration mm-hmm. team, Thunderbirds. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then they had, at that time, they had operational squadrons. And they also ran the big exercise red flag from, from Nellis. So that was a, that was a fun place to go in those days. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't a Christian, but I didn't participate in the Las Vegas lifestyle either. But yeah. it was a lot of fun to go down to Nellis Air Force Base yeah. and participate in the red flags. We had graduation exercises down there with all the other fighter weapon schools. And, and uh, yeah, I look back on that time as, as sort of the, the best of days. Yeah. And, uh, Did you have any struggles after you became a Christian in the military? No, I, I can tell you this, that I led the fighter pilot sort of party life for a while, but, you know, you grow up somewhere along the way, too. And when you get married, even before the kids came, there was, it was just time to grow up. Um, I kind of heard that in your bios as well, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I listened to your podcast, I heard the same thing. In early 30s, mid-30s, you kind of say, it's time enough to... Enough is enough. Yeah. yeah. Enough, <laughs> time yeah. to be stable yeah. Yeah. in some way. But I, I sometimes tell folks that I smoked cigarettes in those days. Mm-hmm. And when I was baptized, a smoker went down in, under the water and a smoker came back up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to tell you any stories. Yeah. That, that day I threw away those cigarettes. It took two years to finally kick that habit. Yeah. And that's after being baptized. So uh, I... Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. If some, a member comes in and they smell a bit of cigarette smoke, I, I'm not going to, you know, point yeah. the long finger at them and say you shouldn't be smoking or, or no. any other habit for that matter. Some, some require the elder's attention, but, yeah. but uh, I think it was a lesson for me to be a little humble and, uh, and be not too judgmental of, of folks who yeah, have to struggle with something like yeah. that. I struggled yeah. with tobacco as well. And it's, it's a very yeah. difficult time. Yeah. Within 10 minutes of, uh, of my baptism, I said, oh, I could really use a smoke. You know, <laughs> yeah. they, they, the Holy Spirit does not descend on you at that moment. And, and, uh, and everything goes away. No. Cure you of all yeah. vices. You no. still have to still yeah. have to fight. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but 2007, um, uh, been an elder here since that time. And I can tell you that one of the most exciting aspects of being an elder is serving with other elders because uh, what I've learned from Bill Ball, uh, who I was elder with initially, uh, and then Les Jones, and now with Dave Gorman, and uh, Les and Bill have retired since, but uh, to, to, to get on a phone call or to come into this room that we're sitting in now, this conference room, and to go over a problem that we're having with a family perhaps, or with an individual struggling, or new members that want to come and, and be associated with our congregation. And to hear the wisdom from those that I've been fortunate to serve with mm-hmm. is really, I think, the greatest honor of being an elder is to serve with other elders. Yeah, yeah. In a room with people of the same mindset, yes. uh, focusing yeah. on the spirit and how can I access that spirit to help yeah. the congregation, help others, and then grow spiritually myself as well. You yeah. know, it's a Oh. It is that's a that's a great uh, benefit of to have to sure. have the Bible open in front of us and say how do we handle this you know yeah. uh, uh, this couple came to us want to be associated with this congregation but they both had previous marriages and what were the circumstances behind those marriages and and what would God have us to do mm-hmm. in terms of ministering to them and counseling them and and showing them where they may be outside of Scripture yeah and in some cases. That is, in fact, the case. Yeah. And you have to have the awkward talk, mm-hmm. the difficult yeah. talk. Yeah. And, and I know from experience, though, that you guys have always shown love. You've always been very loving in whatever approach you had to do, but you're not afraid to speak the truth and to, yeah. to honor what the scriptures say. Uh, what are the what are the, de- the so-called deadly sins that, that 
God abhors a haughty eye. Yeah, yeah. In some translations, as an elder, the first thing you learn is humility because the, the, some of the issues that are thrown at you are, are, are complex and, and gut-wrenching and, and, and perplexing. Yeah. And, and you quickly realize that, that this is, uh, you, you, you understand your human limitations mm-hmm. yeah, pretty yeah. quickly yeah. And, and how God's word can guide us. Yeah. Uh, Would you say that being an elder is the most difficult thing you've done? In some sense, yes. Yeah. And, you know, one reason, um, Alec and Kevin, is that the stakes couldn't be higher. Yeah. Talking about people's souls, yeah. right? So I, I can't think of a, a, a more uh, distressing uh, situation than when you realize that someone is outside of of, of God's protection, if you will, outside, operating outside of the word and, and doesn't really care that they're outside that. So, yeah. so, you know, that absolutely keeps you up at night. I, yeah. I don't think there's not a, a day or a middle of the night that I don't wake up and think about something associated with the congregation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so knowing that going into eldership, what convicted you to actually take that step? You know, that's a good question because, as you know, the, the, one of the qualifications, the first qualification of an elder is that, that they desire the task. Yeah. And there's always a bit of controversy around that. But yeah. why does this person desire mm-hmm. the task? Yeah. Is, is, are there reasons that are, that are less than honorable? They want the status, if you will, or they want the power, or whatever the, the, the rationale may be. But you do have to want the position. We had one elder here who had been an elder before and was maybe getting late in his years. And we asked him, would you consider being an elder? And he said, if I'm called, I must serve. Yeah. I, I thought that was, it was the first 30 seconds of our meeting with him in this, would you become an elder at this congregation? And I, I thought that was profound because I thought about, well, does that mean he desires the task or not? Or does this mean that... Uh, that he feels it's an obligation he's unwilling or 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 reluctantly taking on. Yeah. And so we explored that with him. Um, so with any elder, they have to really consider before taking the task what their motivation is. They have to desire it and want to be an elder. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there'll always be an element of, oh my, what am I getting myself into? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> uh, it's not something you just sign not, a piece of paper. and Not and, for the faint of heart, that's for sure. It's not know. a good way to put it, not yeah. for the faint of heart. Yeah, and that's a good thing. You probably had all that fighter pilot experience, right? Um, that helped. I was also a manager at a defense contractor by this time. Had okay. 26 people in my group at one nice. time. And, you know, you see a lot of the same qualities in human beings in the workplace that you see in the congregation. Yeah. There are folks who have low self-esteem. There are folks who are uh, have very high self-esteem. Uh, uh, <laughs> unrightfully so. Unrightfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have, and they bring their problems to work. Uh their sons or daughters or, or whatever, their, their marriages, they, if there's something at work, at home that is greatly distressing them, then it, it impacts their work performance. So as, as the manager at that time, I found that I was doing quite a bit of counseling. Um, not too personal because that's really outside the realm of the business environment. And there's something called the employee assistance program. And they have these uh, more formal human resources related uh, functions for that. But you do find yourself saying, well, tell me what's going on. And do you need some time off? And, and, oh, and then they can get quite personal. Well, you know, I found out my husband did this or that. And, and then, uh, so in some ways that you really find not so much from a flying background, but from a management background that you can take some of those lessons between the two organizations, yeah. between church and the workplace and the workplace and the church. And yeah, just listening to people's stories and just trying to, yeah. you know, be a part of their lives and whatever, and help with that, whatever yeah. you can. Yeah. Connect with them on yeah, their level, where they're at. Yeah. And then hopefully get them uh, in a spiritual sense uh, to uh-huh. where they need to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are, as you know, there are folks who have been arrested and served in jail and, and had terrible problems with alcohol and, and other kinds of issues, drugs maybe. And, and those are the folks that are oftentimes the very best people in your congregation to help those that are struggling with similar matters. Yeah. 
uh, you'll sometimes hear raised in the church, and there's a certain connotation to that to say, well, I've never made a mistake in my life or, <laughs> yeah. or something along that line. And, and your, your initial interview showed that, that you guys uh, kind of were raised in the church but, but, but had your issues along the way. Yeah. And, and I, hope that, uh, I hope that any of our members listening right now would always have uh, a lot of empathy for their, for their fellow brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because we're all trying to get through this together. Yep. And we all have to rely on each other and we have to work together to uh, be able to do it. Abs- we're a family. Absolutely. Yeah, we're a family. Absolutely. Yep. So just to make sure we get the point, so what was it you think that convicted you to step up and to take that responsibility? Um, I felt I was qualified. Uh, two elders came to the house one night. I knew why they were coming. They yeah. went through the qualifications. They asked if I was willing. And, uh, and of course, there was some trepidation uh, yeah. in experience. Of course, yeah. a Christian what, 20 years, but it wasn't so much that. It was just this is a completely different task that I've seen before. And to have strong elders that, that I can come under those strong elders and be the follower, in a sense, watching them and how the process works, that you've got to have that overlap with, with your fellow elders uh, rather than being just blown out of the cannon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sink or swim. So you say it's a lot yeah. easier to come into you a strong eldership and have that mentorship. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Could imagine starting an eldership from scratch or something along that line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That would be, that would be a challenge. Well, uh, your story is fascinating. And it's, it's incredible. You've gotten from uh, being a unbeliever, uh, basically writing Mm. in your uh, notes that baptism is not essential (laughs) (laughs) uh, to the point where you're now uh, serving as an elder and, uh, mentoring other uh, elders as well. And it, we come to the point where we're back to Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul writes to Timothy and he says, And these things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Mm-hmm. This concept of mentoring and Paul handing this message off to Timothy and then Timothy finding faithful men to pass it on to faithful men mm-hmm. and so on and so forth until we're here mm-hmm. thousands of years later mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice uh, to those that are uh, in my generation or even my son's generation uh, younger? Uh, how do we pass this on to the next generation? How do we pass this heart of service on to them to where they're, they're looking to, I want to be an elder. Mm. I want to, I want to do that. I want to serve the Lord's church in mm. this way and hopefully pass that on to the next generation so we can continue this. Uh, what would be your advice? Well, first of all, there's quite a bit of angst and this has probably been true for hundreds of years in the Lord's church, but there's a lot of angst that the younger generation just isn't coming to church any longer. Yeah. might be a United States phenomenon, but the, the millennials, if I can use that stereotype, and, and yeah. for your audience, I can tell them that I'm looking across the table at two millennials right yeah. now. <laughs> and, uh, and we look out into the uh, churches of Christ, the, the Lord's church, and we travel a good bit. We visit quite a few other churches, and we see a very elderly um, or a very elderly uh, audience, if you will. Mm-hmm. And there's concern that those younger men, as you just read from Second Timothy, are not even there to, to benefit from the instruction and, and, and the fellowship that they get by attendance. So the first concern is, are those, are those following generations even available? And, and if not, how do we reach them? But at the same time, I can tell you, it's so encouraging to see uh, millennials young men in church who are th- what we talked about previously, the real deal. They're, they're genuinely, genuinely coming in and making church, making their faith the highest priority in their lives. I'm going to kind of go off topic a little bit here, but let me, yeah. I wrote an article for our bulletin not long ago, and I began to think about this based on letters that I was re- receiving from our Nigerian uh, missionaries, uh, those that we sponsor in Nigeria, and listening to their issues with security, kidnappings, and extortions, and, and violence. And, and I began to think, is there any time in our history where it's been easier to be a Christian than in the United States in 2021? Yeah. 
because we're not really persecuted. We live in a largely atheistic nation, but we can assemble anytime we wish. Uh, we can have church seven days a week, and the neighbors aren't going to complain, and no one's going to ridicule us for that. Um, and also, a lot of us aren't really asked to do much anymore. We have preachers that are provide these beautiful sermons each week, nicely packaged, and and uh, and so our study drops off a little bit. And I think sometimes, and concern sometimes, that Christianity doesn't have to be hard. I'm not saying that, but it does have to be the most important thing in your life. Yeah. You can't just go mix in with your career, your marriage, your children, the next softball game, and other kinds of recreation you may be engaged in or mm-hmm. hobbies it has to be the number one thing in your yeah. life it can't be a box you just open up on the weekends oh good good way to yeah. put it yeah and 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 doesn't the god's word tell us that over and over, over and over again. over and and, over. Uh, and and i i think sometimes that's why i admire paul so much because he was in the modern vernacular paul was a maniac yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 so were other biblical characters but yeah. no one like paul and when you look at Paul, you say, we're not going to be Paul. We're not asked to be Paul. But there should be a little bit of Paul in all of us. Yeah. And not be so lazadaisical about something that's so important, which are our souls and the Lord's church here on this earth. Yeah. So back to your Second Timothy verse, Alec. Yeah. Um, we, we, we seek out and realize how special that next generation is. Um, we also found, and I'll get into, again, just a little off topic, but but related. You see young folks come into church in their teens because their parents bring them to church. And then they turn 18. They do one of three things. They go to the military. They leave their home and go get a job. Or they go off to college. Maybe they do that. And I call it the bathtub. You see a drop-off in folks in their 20s, and they just don't come to church. They're working on their careers. They've been deployed with the military. There's legitimate reasons why not, and some reasons are because they just don't care to come to church any longer. I only went to church because my parents made me. Mm-hmm. But they start having children, or they go through that I've time to grow up phase, and they come back. And we see them come back after 10 years. They haven't been inside of, a, uh, inside of our congregation or your congregation, and how important it is to capture them at that time mm-hmm. and say, you know, this, this is where you should be, and thank you for being here, and, and, and try to uh, minister to their needs in yeah. a sense. And too. we need you here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we need them. Yeah. 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 To yeah. stress that urgency that, hey, we want you to be connected in, in our congregation and in, involved yeah. with our people. Yeah. There's something here for you. And and there was something that you liked when you were a teen. There was something you liked about being here before. It's still here. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and try to grow them from that. So so I'm a baby boomer. You guys are, uh, to use the stereotypes, millennials. And then there's a generation something else coming, Z or something coming yeah. along. <laughs> but, but I don't think there's anything more important than, than, than keeping together as a family, no matter what our age group. Yeah. You both have children. We do, and uh, and so you're as as concerned about their their souls as you are about your own. Yeah, that's actually part of the reason this kind of started too. Was we were like, how are we going to number one take over? Yeah, because yeah. it's coming. Yeah. Like yeah. whether we like to, yeah. you know, think about it or not, that there yeah. will be a time where we have to step into these positions in yeah. the church, and how do we? get that mentorship and then how do we ensure that our children will have a congregation to go to if they if we raise them to mm-hmm. want that you know yeah yeah and will there be a congregation out there for them yeah um and uh and will it be a good congregation where they'll grow yeah because yeah. we, we more than anything we've taken that responsibility on as fathers and it's we we take i take the role and i know alec does too very yeah. seriously to teach my children to love jesus yeah. and to know him right yeah. right yeah, that's so important. I've, yeah. We've got two granddaughters right now, four and, and one. And the four-year-old um, uh, has an initial concept that Jesus is somebody really nice yeah. and someone that we should r- really uh, want to follow. She loves going to church and that kind of thing. The one-year-old doesn't really understand the concept <laughs> yeah, of church. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but the four-year-old is starting to get it now. I remember when our children were maybe four, two, and zero, they're two years apart. So they're about four, two, and an infant, or maybe they were six, four, and a two-year-old. And our 
my mother, who was in her 80s, used to come and visit quite often, and they asked once, Dad, did Nana, that was my mom's name, Nan, did Nana live at the same time as Jesus? <laughs> and so it, it told me how little really that the youngest grasp on mm-hmm. uh, certainly time doesn't mean a lot to yeah. them. But, <laughs> but uh, it, it also tells me that for that very, very young generation coming up, it's okay if church is just a fun place to go mm-hmm. because it will be some time before that four-year-old especially grasps really the concepts of a, of a divinity uh, and, uh, and, and the Lord's church. Yeah. When you look at VBS, it's, it's centered around fun, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. camp, is, it's about fun. Yeah. Yeah, because we're not told not to have fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're told to enjoy our lives, but yeah. we're told to have a purpose. Yeah, that's okay, and yeah. which is, you know, brings up the topic of age of accountability and mm-hmm. age of yeah. baptism and and, uh, and moving into adulthood, spiritual adulthood, so, yeah. Yeah, of course. And uh, we have, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, this idea of these, these struggles and these hardships uh, in the service role, mm. uh, not to discourage anybody from wanting to take uh this, this step into into the service role, into the eldership or any other type of service in the church. Uh, but again, what would be your uh, advice to anyone that's looking to maybe step into that role? Maybe go into there and saying, well, I don't know if I want to do this because there's all of these struggles and hardships and I don't want to have to deal with that and I want to have to deal with this. And, and, right. and, and what would be your encouragement to them you to know, say, maybe, you know, take that step? You know, maybe say, don't forget that this is all giving as an elder. It's not all draining yourself out to help other people. You come back as uh, and and become a much fuller person yourself from this. You, yeah. you, the experience and the wisdom you gain through trial and error. Sometimes you'll you'll yeah. you'll say dumb things. You'll you'll do dumb things at times when you're trying to help a family, a, a married couple, a, a, or get through any issue in the congregation. You, you'll make mistakes, but there's a reward to it as well, not just the spiritual reward mm-hmm. that, that the Word gives us, but there's an earthly reward in that you do feel that, that you're growing in maturity and wisdom uh, through through the trials. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's yeah. one of those rewards that you've experienced? Um, not, gee, you did a good job, John, or something along that line. I, you don't need that stroke as an elder, I don't think, but I think the thank yous are... are 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 meaningful and especially if you see a good result at the end mm-hmm. you know we we've done some good things where we've helped people through issues that are now in the distant past and won't be visited again so in other words the successes right yeah. there are successes and and you do win some of them yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and it's not all losses all the time yeah. right no, it, <laughs> right encourages you and makes you feel good and fills your heart yeah yeah exactly and now I'll bring this up with you that when I became an elder in 2007, I thought to myself, all right, I'm, I'm supposed to be a shepherd of this church or this congregation and, and, and a shepherd protects the flock. How is Satan going to attack this congregation? Mm -hmm. How is he going to attack us? And sometimes through a preacher, preachers that, that begin to wander off from truth and they begin to introduce concepts. You go, huh, I haven't thought of it that way. And then after weeks or months or even years, you realize that they're really leading us down a path that, that isn't biblical any longer, but it was seductive, if you will. So it yeah. could be through the preacher. It can be through um, elders that don't get along. Uh, mm. They they are ad- adversaries or, or can't get along together. Um, it can be through financial controls. Nothing will destroy confidence in the elders or in the absence of elders. Uh, the men leading the church, if there's some thoughts that monies aren't being properly uh, uh, cared for and, and maintained, and other other ways that church might attack. But what I saw pretty quickly in my experience was, oh, I sure see Satan attacking the families yeah. and the individuals, mm-hmm. um, marriages, um, through children, uh, and sometimes it's purely a, a scriptural, spiritual issue, such as um, unfaithfulness in marriage or something along that line. And sometimes it's just struggles because life is hard. And it, the formula that Satan uses is called discouragement, yep. a loss of job, a health, uh, and other kinds of issues. Yeah, but, you know, good news on that is there is recovery <laughs> from that. We were talking about... Uh, 
Paul before we started recording and his uh, comments over and over in Scripture where he says, be imitators of me yeah. as I imitate Christ. But if oh. you know anything about Paul's history, he had, had a dark past. I mean, he was yeah. uh, brutal to the church at the beginning there. I read the other day, we always talk about Saul holding the cloaks of, uh, of those who are doing the stoning at the end of Acts 7. Mm-hmm. And I read the other day that one of Paul's characteristics was he's an accessory to murder. I thought, I never thought of it that way. (laughs) I don't know why I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's dragging Christians out of their homes, at least, imprisoning them, and like you said, accessory to murder uh, uh, type of deal. And But he transformed, uh, you know, as we read in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we have to have that transformational heart, Mm. as Paul did, Mm. and he can look back on his life and say, imitate me. As I imitate Christ, even though he has been involved in some serious, serious sin uh, in his past. And that encouragement uh, as an elder, as you talk to people that have been involved in all sorts of problems, and especially like we're talking about marriage problems and these different things, there is a recovery path on there. uh, And there is a way to uh, grow uh, from that uh, Mm -hmm. direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And understanding that as an elder, as a leader, and then hopefully guiding those people in that to saying there is a recovery path. A couple of comments. Mm -hmm. Paul calls himself the least of the apostles, correct? And at the same time, 1 Corinthians 11 is what you are quoting, that imitate me and how many, uh, let's put it in the context of men, but it applies obviously to mothers and to to women as well, uh, adults in general, but how many men are willing to look out at a group and say, imitate me? Because it's become very vogue in these past years to say, no one's perfect. You know, we've got politicians out there and even presidents and, and, and uh, captains of industry and others that, that, that have certain faults. And so it's, now it's become, in the United States, at least it seems that no one has any integrity any longer, right? <laughs> we're, sure, we're all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God, but sometimes we can take that a little too far. Yep. We are to be examples. If, if as much as we can live up to that task, we are to be examples. And that's what Paul was saying there. I'm the least of all the apostles and accessory to murder, but I am now someone that, that you can imitate. Yeah. And not to be afraid to be an example. And that means that if you are going to say that, uh, follow me, it means that you are trying to keep yourself that's true. like Christ, right? Yeah, you're, not, point. you're not fighting any of those internal Yeah demons as much probably maybe some but yeah it's not the point where it's taking you off of your purpose in this world yeah yeah Yeah. i'm going to go back now to a comment that alec made a moment ago too about the healing that takes place and and that uh i'd like to say this because the audience will be listening to this that elders are oftentimes brought problems that are beyond the point where they can be solved Mm -hmm. um in other words, uh, there's a lot of broken glass on the floor already. Um, for example, husband has already moved out yeah. and uh, is already in another part of the country. And it would have been really nice if you had brought some of this to the elders a year ago uh, before when everything appeared wonderful in that mm-hmm. marriage a year prior when, in fact, underneath the surface, things were not so so right. So we are brought issues that sometimes, yes, obviously, Alec, as you said, any healing can occur, but there are some things that are so, uh, have, have gone to the point where there will be consequences paid for the remainder of their lives. Yeah. In other words, divorce has already occurred or, or some other uh, element that, that is going to be, it's impossible to put the genie back in the bottle, mm-hmm. as the expression goes. And that's distressing for an elder yeah. not to be able to be involved earlier in the process. So you're encouraging people to come forward early. Yeah, exactly. Ask for help early. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I'd kind of like to send that message through this yeah. podcast. For anyone listening, that if they know a, a, a situation is brewing, don't don't wait for it to turn into do. A, yeah. a full-fledged yeah. uh, storm. Because yeah. sometimes we can't repair uh, something that, that, uh, that uh, is Very broken. permanently broken and, yeah. and already broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the questions that I had, I don't have any more off the top of my head. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to specifically talk about before we uh, close the podcast out here? Well, maybe as I was asked to 
participate in this uh, discussion, and I think I was going to be your first, and I hope, hopefully not your last elder that you speak with, because you have others with different uh, perspectives. But one thing, as I read through the purpose of this podcast, I thought to myself, I don't want to do is um, bemoan the state of the of the Lord's Church in the world or in the in the United States. Yep. We could certainly, and and the reason I bring this up is I hear it. I hear it through uh, publications that come out of the Brotherhood, right? I, I hear it uh, uh, sometimes amongst my own brethren that, gee, look at our attendance or, uh, you know, this, uh, this church that we know of back east is going down and uh, it looks like they're going to have to close their doors. I, I don't like to dwell on that. I, I think the Lord has a plan for uh, his church uh, and that our, our role is to come to, to work every day and, and start pedaling the bike yeah. and, uh, and not to focus on what the church isn't or doesn't have. Yep. This isn't 1955 America where everyone went to some church somewhere, uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a vital role and mission to play. Yeah. And it's so encouraging for the Woodland Park Church to, to, to be revitalized, if I can say that, uh, through your presence, Alec, and, and your, you and Chelsea up there. And, um, and I see the same thing here. Uh, we kind of feel like we've lost a lot of members, and then some folks walk through the door and just build us up and encourage us. So I, I would like everyone to remember that we're not here to um, keep score on, on uh, attendance or, or how the church is doing. Yeah. Uh, we're here to just build the church up as much yeah. as we can while we're on this earth. God, to serve. Yeah. yeah, God will provide the increase. Our job is just to focus on the truth. Yeah, yeah. Focus on That's it, true. dwell on it, and like we're talking about in Second Timothy chapter 2, pass that on to the next generation, mm. keep it going, mm. uh, and let God's spirit do the heavy lifting, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's the purpose of this podcast is for that encouragement aspect. Mm. Uh, again, we're not here to, you know, bemoan the church, as you say, you know, like, look at how horrible we are and all the problems we have. That's not the purpose of the podcast. Yeah. The podcast is let's hear each other's stories. Let's Let's connect on a deeper level, and let's be let's be a family that mm. we're called to be. Mm. So hopefully we can we can get through life together. Let's encourage one another and get that yeah. end goal, the prize at the end of the race. Right. Uh, we want yep. we want to be together in heaven, uh, together as a family, uh, and to help each other in that process. Uh, preachers and teachers and, and elders are a critical critical role in in that process. Uh, mm. You are our spiritual uh, guides. Uh, shepherds in in the church, uh, and so to connect you and to be connected to you in that level, like you're saying, like if there's a problem, I want to be comfortable to to approach you and say I'm having the struggle, mm-hmm. and know that you're not going to say how dare you, you you know blah 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 whatever, yeah. Yeah. but saying I- I'm here to help, I'm here yeah. to serve you to hopefully let's get to heaven together. Yeah, uh, and, and that, so and that's what I heard from you is that you're willing, you know, if you have a problem. You, to your congregation, if you have a problem, just come yeah. to us earlier. Right. Let us help you early. Let us right. show you the love early and help you with your, your problem. Take you to the scriptures. Show you what you need to do. Right. Yeah. Right. And and I might say, and I'll say say this in closing perhaps, that the the other enemy, I mentioned one, how is Satan going to attack this congregation? And, and we just found that it's been through families. Uh, maybe that's uh, good that this, it's not the eldership or the preachers, but, but through the families. The other I think great danger, though, and now I will talk about the Churches of Christ a little bit, and perhaps Christianity is in general, but is the enemy is a lot of times complacency. Yeah. And the folks listening to this podcast right now, I don't think would be complacent because they're not listening to this. <coughs> they wouldn't be listening to this, <laughs> yeah. this uh, podcast if they were. You know, uh, I think I'd rather listen to another podcast. Uh, the fact that they're listening means that they're interested in this topic. But I would also say that, like the church in Laodicea, that the churches of Christ and the Lord's church could go into the same direction if we're not careful. It goes back to my comment earlier about never been an easier place and time to be a Christian than in the United States in 2021, because yeah. it's kind of like things are going well. 
uh, we even beat that virus, you know, in a, yeah. in, in a, in a sense, right, the COVID virus. So yeah. eh, we can solve anything. We can solve a medical problem, go to the doctor. We can solve a financial problem, borrow the money or get a job, whatever it might be. But complacency is also, I think, for the folks listening on this podcast and for elders as well who might listen to this podcast or you might interview at a later time. I hope they'll keep that in mind, that uh, there is a danger that we could become that church in Laodicea. So that's your encouragement to you, other elders, is just to, you know, remain focused, nose to the grindstone, so to speak, and not become complacent. Yeah, and nose to the grindstone has a sort of a a laborious connotation to it, but but it is, you know. Get, get to the work, uh, yeah. to the work, to the work, I think is one of the, the hymns we sing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's that's our sole purpose uh, is to stay stay uh, stay on the work. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Erickson. Yeah. We are so happy that you joined us this morning. Yeah, I really appreciate we, it. Yeah, we can't express our gratitude enough that you took your time out of your week to come talk to a couple millennials mm. in your conference room. <laughs> we really, really do appreciate well, it. Well, I thank you for doing this, and uh, and for the folks that are listening in, uh, we are on a, at a conference room with a conference table, and it's covered with a audio mixer of some kind and microphones, and uh, and it's a very sophisticated operation. <laughs> and you guys went to a lot of work to put this together. That's my point. And thank you for doing this. Uh, I think this will be a very popular podcast. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you so you. much. 